Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Wow, we've had the gospel preached, huh? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. That was so cute. Shame. Pastor Jackie just started crying when she saw the kids. That's so cute. There were 15 children that came out to be part of the Good Friday P3 service that we had. And when the worship started, the children came out and all knelt down here of their own accord. I'm telling you something, that'll break your heart. Amen. That'll soften it. All right. Well, let's get to the word this morning. If you give me your undivided attention for 20 minutes, I'd appreciate it. The central message of Christianity, that's what I want to talk to you about today. Now, we must answer two questions to understand Christianity's core or central message. Two questions. And these two questions are actually the most important questions that anybody could ask. Here's the first one. Why did Jesus come to earth? And the second one is, why did Jesus have to die? Now, it's appropriate at this time of the year when the whole world is actually celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus. Everywhere they're celebrating it, around the world. It is, I think it's imperative that we answer these questions. Now, of course, Christians are the only ones who celebrate that he's risen from the dead. Others would acknowledge that Jesus was here and that he died, but only Christians acknowledge that he raised from the dead. So why did Jesus have to come to the earth? Well, he came on a mission of mercy to save humanity from eternal punishment in hell. And to reveal God's love for us. I want to read to you the most powerful scripture in the entire Bible. Are you ready? Is this working? Are you ready? Thank you. So this is the most important, the most powerful of all scriptures. If there was nothing else in the Bible... And you had these three verses, it would be enough. Do you want to know what they are? Not enough of you. You want to hear? Okay. All right. So the first one is John 3.16, which you've already heard a number of times today. Well, we could be reading out of the English Standard Version. And it goes like this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son... That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Now, you see, that means it's not optional. This is very clear. This, this is very, very clear. I don't know if you noticed this as we, 
as we read it, it said, those who do not believe, these are condemned already. They're not going to be condemned. You see, a lot of people think that, well, if there is a heaven and a hell and I end up standing before God, then we'll see if I get condemned. But they don't understand that every single person born on the face of the earth is condemned already. You're not going to be condemned by God after you die. You're condemned when you're born. And that's a shocker. Because nobody is born in right relationship with God. You're born out of fellowship with God because of sin in the human race, because of Adam and Eve. And that sin is passed down to every human being. And so there is condemnation upon every single human being. The only way out of that condemnation is by believing in Jesus. That's the reason he had to come to earth. That is what the scripture says. It says those who believe have eternal life. Those who do not believe do not have eternal life and are already condemned. Is that plain enough? Okay. So it's really important that you understand that. So then why did Jesus have to die? Second question. Well, Calvary was God's supreme expression of love. And we've heard that a lot this morning throughout the service. We've heard this theme about God's love. We sang about it. The children spoke about it. Listen what 1 John 4, 9 says. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And he did this despite our sinful condition. You see, I hear this a lot. And I'm sure you do too. Well, if God is a God of love, why didn't he save my mother? If God is a God of love, why hasn't he healed me? If God is a God of love, why did my parents get divorced? If God is a God of love, why is there so much atrocity in the world? If God is a God of love, why is there so much hate and poverty and sickness and plagues? Surely if God was a God of love, that would be taken care of and that wouldn't be here. I want you to understand very clearly. The scripture says, we just read it to you. That he showed his love by sending his son to die on the cross for us. An atoning sacrifice. That was the greatest demonstration of love God could ever do. Because, hear me now. You can go to heaven with a sick body. Your mom could go to heaven with a sick body. 
You can go to heaven out of a divorced family. But you can't go to heaven lost without Jesus. So if any person that you know might have been suffering some way, but they loved Jesus and have passed from this life, I want to tell you, they're with Jesus. They're in heaven. And so it might hurt you at this time. But the fact that that person died in that condition or the fact that there is this atrocities occurring all around the world is not an indication that God is not a God of love. He showed himself to be a God of love by sending Jesus. Now what the world has done with that and what people have done with that, that's on them. The wars and the atrocities and everything that's going on, that's not God. That's human beings acting on their own without God. That's what it looks like when you don't have God. See, Romans 5, 8 says, But God demonstrated His own love towards us, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The main message of Christianity is clearly presented in these verses. Jesus died a cruel, sacrificial death on the cross in our place to take our sins so that we can be freed, delivered, redeemed, and go to heaven. That's what he did. The greatest thing God could ever have done for you is given you an opportunity to become his son and call heaven your home, escape hell, and live for him. The greatest thing he could ever have done for you. You see, he paid with his blood, his own blood on the cross. There has never been and never will be a greater redemptive price than the sacrificial blood of the Lord Jesus Christ given on the cross. He did that to redeem us. And by the way, it was required by God. Satan didn't require that. Satan didn't come to God and said, okay, I'll let your people free if you will die on the cross. First of all, the dummy didn't know <laughs> that the cross was going to take him out. No, you see, it was God's standard that had to be met. God required that supreme sacrifice of the blood of his son. It was God's judicial requirement. Satan had nothing to do with it. Now, the only way that we can become acceptable to God is by meeting his requirements or his criteria of holiness and righteousness. And just to give you a little insight, our righteousness is as filthy rags. The best you could ever do would be considered filthy rags and would be thrown out. So you can't. The only price acceptable to God is the sacrifice of his son. And there's nothing you can add to that. Nothing that you do can add to the price already paid. I mean, just think about the price that God paid with his own son dying on the cross, that cruel death, being whipped, thorns, everything. If, you, if you've seen the passion of the Christ, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's the best uh, description I've ever seen. Imagine thinking, well, 
if I go to church on Sunday, then that's good enough. Compared to that, you, you think that going to church on Sunday is going to add to what Jesus did? Do you think it's, it, that, that's all it requires? Why would Jesus have to go through what he went through if going to church was okay? I'm sorry to say that there are millions of people around the world who think that just because they go to church once a week or once a month or Christmas and Easter, that they're scoring points with God, and as long as they get enough points, God's going to let them in. It's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. I wouldn't go to church if I wasn't a Christian. I wouldn't. Most churches are boring. The preacher doesn't tell good jokes. The music is horrific. And it just goes on and on and on and on. So exciting when they made services just an hour and a quarter. But I wouldn't go. But you see, once I found Jesus as Lord and Savior, oh my gosh, and something happened inside of me. And the passion for Jesus got inside of me. I go, don't people know that there are two worlds? There's a spirit world and then this carnal world we live in. Oh my gosh, they're not aware of Jesus and the spirits and the angels and the demons. And all they're just not aware of that. I, I just like blows me away. But I was in darkness as well for some years. But thank God, found the light. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Can you say amen to that? See, so now we live not by our righteousness, but by his righteousness. Our right standing with God comes from him. Listen, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21. For he, that was God, made him Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We become the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus knew no sin. Now, please watch this. The scripture says he made him who knew no sin to be sin. He made him to be sin. Let me try and explain that to you. If uh, I've got a wheelbarrow full of bricks, and I'm pushing the wheelbarrow, the, the, the wheelbarrow is just carrying the bricks, right? The wheelbarrow doesn't become a brick. It's carrying bricks. So when people say Jesus carried our sins, that's the picture. Jesus is the wheelbarrow, and the bricks are the sin. And he carried our sin. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the wheelbarrow became a brick. He made Jesus, who, known, who had no sin, to become sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he was a sinner. I know you can't hear this with the carnal mind. But he took your sin and my sin and the world's sin in himself, and he became our sin. So, 
the core questions. Why did Jesus have to come to the earth? And the revealing of the love of God. Can you give me undivided attention for another 10 minutes? Just nudge the person next to you and say he's nearly finished. Stay with him. Just nudge him and say he's nearly done. We're going to eat in a minute. The question is this. Why does God love me? It is a massive question. Why does God love me? And the devil would make you believe that he doesn't. That's what he wants you to believe. Well, here's the thing. It's good news. Okay? There is no reason that he loves you. Nothing. It's good news. No reason. There's no reason recorded in the Bible as to why God loves you or God loves me. And there's a very important reason for that. There are no conditions. You see, reasons need conditions, which lead to expectations, which result in disappointments. So God is not laying on you any conditions for his love for you. He has no reason to love you, and you know that. <laughs> I hear that at so many marriages when they're making their, their vows to each other. I don't know why you love me like you do. Well, imagine if the groom said, I don't know you, the sweetheart, but let's get on with it. <laughs> Usually the guy... I'm, I'm so lucky. I'm so blessed. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I can do nothing. There's nothing I can do to increase or decrease the love of God for me. Amen. Nothing. He loved me in spite of me, in spite of my sin, and he sent Jesus to die on the cross for me. John 16, 26. In that day you will ask in my name, and, and I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. Now, there's a possible misunderstanding here. So let me just unpack this a little bit and open it up a little bit. See, the casual reader would read this, and what I've just said would be contradicted by the Scripture. Because I've said there's no reason and there's no cause and there's no condition for God to love you. But this scripture, Jesus said, God loves you because you love me. Well, that would be a reason and that would be a cause, wouldn't it? Thank you for the front row. But listen carefully. You see, in the Greek, the word used for the word love here, where Jesus said, he who loves me. The Father loves him. That word in the Greek is not the word agape. It is the word phileo. And the word phileo means friendship. Friendship. So what Jesus was saying, it won't be necessary for me to ask the Father for you. Since the Father has made a friend of you. Because of our friendship. 
You know, when our kids were young, their friends used to love coming over to our place. Anybody have that? Cindy would invite all her friends to church, and then I, on the way to church, would have to stop and pick them up. She was such a little evangelist, eight, nine years old, and we were picking up all her friends. And, of course, their friends called me uncle. Everybody in South Africa is what they did. And then, you know, we had a pool, and then all the friends would come over, and I would be out there, and they wanted me to play with them and and throw them around the water and all kinds of stuff. And, you know, we came over here to America, and they grew up. And uh, then her friends used to come and visit, and she would say to them, Dad, can you make salmon salad for them? Right? They love your salmon salad. And actually, when they said, we're going to be in town, can we come around? Do you think you could ask your dad to make the salmon salad? And they would come around. They would take pictures of me at the fireplace making the, the salmon salad. And see, they became my friends because they were friends with Cindy. She has some of the best friends in the world. And, and I love her friends. I just love her friends. I love to hang with her friends and enjoy. How many of you have friends that you, you just love to hang with? You spend time with them. Amen. That's why you, you only have a few friends in life, really close friends that you like to spend time with, and you call them, and you text them, and you stay in touch. Isn't that right? Yeah. That, that's what we, you know, we used to go uh, on Saturdays, we'd go out, and we'd go Magic Mountain, all that kind of stuff, and all of the friends, can we come with? Because we'd fit the bill. Come on, we'll pay for it. Come enjoy the, the time together with us. You see, their fr- her friends and Haynes' friends were my friends, and I would do anything for them just because they were friends of my daughter and my son. And that's what Jesus was saying here. He's saying, I won't have to ask the Father because we've got a friendship. You're in. You're in the family. We've got this friendship going, and Jesus considers you to be a friend, and God considers you to be a friend. So that's what he was saying. You know, um, would you say that Jesus is one of your close friends? Mm, You see, for some people, that isn't true. They consider him to be a religious icon, a prophet, good teacher. They even consider him savior. They even pray to him. But they don't consider him to be a friend. They don't have that intimate relationship. See, God first loved us. And then we responded to his love. When Jesus died, you weren't even born. And then you came on the scene. Jesus had already died and was raised from the dead. He had already shown his love to you. Now you have to respond to the love Jesus has shown to you. Throughout your life. You will be responding to that love throughout your life. Everything you do will be in response to the love that Jesus showed you. And you see, you honestly can't say that you have become a Christian until you live to show the love back to Jesus for what he did for you. If you're just going about your life, like it doesn't matter, then you haven't encountered the real Jesus. God makes the first move, and then he waits for you to respond. 
See, we all only have two choices. Two choices. Either I believe or I'm not fully persuaded. That's all. And not being fully persuaded means that I have doubt or unbelief. And unbelief is the same as rejection. You know, when they vote and a person abstains or a country abstains from voting, what they're saying is they don't want to say yes. I don't want to say yes. And I don't want to say no. I want to be neutral. The first time Bill Weiss came to our church, we did flyers inviting people to come to hear this man who had spent 23 minutes in hell. And God brought him back and has an amazing testimony, just phenomenal. So we had these, these flyers and we were all handing them out. And we lived in Oceanside and there was a bunch of young people playing with a ball outside, basketball. So I went out there, this was, you know, and I started handing the flyers out and said, hey guys, uh, why don't you come along? You know, come and hear Bill Weiss. And I gave him the flyer and they looked, they go, whoa, this guy was in hell. I said, yeah. He said, how did he get out? <laughs> I knew I had a problem right there. <laughs> I couldn't explain to him this, this whole spiritual episode and everything else. He had no Bible knowledge. So I said, you see, we, we only have two choices. We only have two choices. You get born again, love Jesus, and go to heaven. Or if you don't, you die and you go to hell. So the one kid said, is there no option C? <laughs> These kids have gotten, they have more questions than you know what. I get, okay, guys, just come if you want. <laughs> 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. Now, you might ask this question. Is it possible to know that one has eternal life? When we started you know, in John 3.16, the Bible said that he came that you might have eternal life. Is it possible for us to know that we have eternal life while we are alive on earth? Surely I have to wait until I die and get to heaven and then find out whether I have eternal life. Well, yes, you can know. And if you have to wait till you get to heaven, it's too late. What you don't want to do is leave earth without knowing that you have eternal life. If you're uncertain, I would advise you, don't die. <laughs> 1 John 5.13 says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, watch this now, that you may know that you have eternal life. Everybody say no. no. That you may know that you have eternal life. So clearly we can and must know that we have eternal life before we die. When Jesus rose from the grave, he rose triumphantly over the devil. He defeated the devil. Satan didn't see it coming. He destroyed the works of the devil. He freed us from the power of sin, from guilt, from sickness, from disease, from poverty, and he gave us his righteousness. That day, he gained a surpassing victory. The greatest victory ever won in the history of the earth. 
And he gained and was given all authority in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. And that authority he gave to the believers. He gave it to us. Amen. You want to go ahead and give the Lord a praise? Yeah. Not one of Jesus' accomplishments did he do for himself. He did every single thing for us. Everything. So I have a few heartfelt questions for you as I close. If you'll give me your undivided attention for another 20 minutes. <laughs> Does your life demonstrate that there is a God and that He loves us? What do I mean? Question number two. Does your life encourage others to believe? Number three, does your life demonstrate that God really exists? Or, question four, if he does, he doesn't care about me. Let me say that again. Does your life demonstrate that God really exists or doesn't exist. But if he does exist, he doesn't care about me. See, that's what's going on in the world. People would probably acknowledge, yes, there's a God, but he doesn't care about me. Not me individually. So we all like hanging with our friends, right? It's never a chore. We like to chat with them and so the question is, does that describe your relationship with Jesus? So I'm going to do something a little worldly right now. If you don't mind, I'm going to play a little portion of a song that was given to Jackie when we left South Africa by Lindsay, Pastor Lindsay. And they, you know, they've been, we've been 34 years since we left South Africa. Pastor Lindsay and, and Pastor Andrew were very close friends of ours before we ever left. And uh, she gave this song to Jackie as she left South Africa. And it speaks of true friendship. I'll just play a small cut of it. Would you go ahead? Think about Jesus. Jesus. 
Jesus. Go ahead, close your eyes. The Bible says that Jesus, as a friend, sticks closer than any brother. How will you respond to what you've heard today? Will you believe that God exists and that he loves you in the good times and the bad times, through thick and thin? Will you endeavor to build a relationship with Jesus, a friendship relationship? And will you endeavor to demonstrate the love of God towards others? I know God spoke to you today. And there's some of you today have really felt in your heart that you would like to make a deeper commitment to God, put your entire faith in Jesus for your salvation, and ask for that eternal life that He's offered to give you if you believe on Him. By simply saying, Jesus, I believe you're the Christ, the Son of God. Thank you for taking my sin. And becoming my sin. Thank you for freeing me. And forgiving me. I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. And I receive the eternal life that you promised. Right here. Right now. If that's a prayer you'd like to pray with me. Just wave your hand wherever you're sitting. And let's pray that prayer together. Thank you for those that are raising their hand. God bless you. God bless you for raising that hand. I see those people all over the place raising their hands. Why don't we all stand and let's pray this prayer together. If you're willing, pray out loud, especially those who raised their hands. Make this a heartfelt prayer. Dear God, I come to you today understanding that I'm a sinner, that I was condemned when born, but through Jesus' death and resurrection, I can receive eternal life. Heaven can become my home by believing on the name of Jesus. Forgive me today of all of my sins. I receive you, Jesus, as my Savior, my Deliverer, and I ask you for that eternal life, the gift that you give to me, because you love me, and you loved me before I loved you. Thank you, Father, for making me a friend of the family. Thank you, Jesus, for being my friend. And for promising to live this life together with me. 
I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Friend, if you prayed that prayer and it really, really meant something to you, it really, really, really meant something to you, I'm going to ask you to come out and greet my ministry team. I have a ministry team come here. Stand forward. We have a little book we'd like to give you called God's Plan for Your Life. If you prayed that prayer, and there were many of you that raised your hands. And you say, Pastor Henry, I, I didn't raise my hand. That's okay. You prayed that prayer from your heart and you meant it. Would you come and just greet one of our prayer team, one of our ministers? And we'd love to just pray a little more with you and uh, give you a gift book. Before we ask for prayer for anything else, of those who prayed that prayer, really meant it, we'd like to give you first opportunity and first option to come down because we're going to have a lot of other people come for prayer. So we're going to ask you, we're going to give you first opportunity just to slip out of your seats and come along and join them if you raised your hand. Would you do that real quick before we call for any other prayer? So I know a number of you raised your hand. Come on down. Let's give them a hand clap as they come. God bless you. God bless you. Come on down. Come on down. God bless you. Come on down. Come on down. We'll give you a moment to come. Just come and find a prayer. Come on down. Come on down. All the way, all the way, all the way. Come on down. Is there anybody else before, before we pray for the next group? All right. Now, <clears throat> I know that there's folks here today. And as the word went forth, the prophetic word went forth from Pastor uh, Brian this morning. Yeah, Pastor Brian, he was calling people back, calling people back for resurrection experience, the spirit experience. This means that some of you have grown cold in your walk with God. Grown cold. It's not on fire anymore. There's a, something has come in. And God is asking giving you opportunity. If that's you, come down for prayer right now. Be reconnected. Be forgiven. Get the fire going again in your life. Amen? So, Pastor uh, Brian gave that word. If that's you and you'd like to come back, come on down now. And while I do that, while you're doing that, I'll ask one more question. I know that there's some here today and you are not sure that you have eternal life. You're not sure. Because when I said you need to know that you have, you had this question, well, I don't know. I'm not sure. This is the day that God spoke to you for you to be sure. You don't want to walk out today and say, well, that was a nice religious service. I'm glad I went to Easter. Now Christmas is next. <laughs> no. I want you to make that decision. I want to know that I know that I know that I know that I have eternal life. So this is the last call. If you would, come on down. We're going to pray for you. We love you. Jesus loves you. God loves you. And we love you. So last round of applause for those that are coming now. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. I'm about to dismiss you. So we have some people ready to pray. If you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit, you love Jesus with all your heart. And we'd like to pray for you so that you can get baptized. Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit, with power, and with the fire of God. And there will be evidence of the baptism. You'll begin a prayer language. You'll begin praying in the Spirit. That will be the evidence that you have received.
that baptism from Jesus. Please feel free to come on down and join us for prayer. And then if there's any other prayer requests, come on down. Well, God bless you for being with us this Resurrection Sunday. It was an awesome time. to. Be. I was so excited to get to church. I couldn't wait to get to church. I was so looking forward to seeing all of you and meeting with the Lord. And I was not disappointed. Amen? Not disappointed. God bless you. Have an awesome week in Jesus' name. Amen.